following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Living it. Living it. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of, of that, that phrase, living it. There are songs that have used that phrase. There are, there are movies that have used that phrase, living it. Living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest. Whatever's coming to mind there, there's no way that we can get around coming back to this next question. And there's a reason why every single week we talk about praying for God's purpose in our lives, right? That's, that's what we're encouraging you to do each week when we're, when we're praying you, pray, when, we're pray, when we're asking you to pray. I got tongue tied there again. When we're asking you to pray, God, what do you want me to do with my time, talents, and resources? There's a reason why we're continuing to come back to that. This is it. Because we're all looking for purpose. We are all looking for purpose. Living life to the fullest is living life with purpose. Uh, isn't, isn't that really what we want? I, 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 don't, I can't imagine finding anyone, and that's why we've thrown thousands and thousands and probably even more than thousands of dollars in, into counseling, okay, to, to help us find purpose, to help us find purpose. I just can't imagine anyone who wants to live life without purpose. I, can't, I, I just can't imagine it. That's not the question that I come up, that I come up to uh, more often. I come up to the question of, I'm just struggling to, to find my purpose or to find God's purpose for my life or to find meaning for my life, right? And, and some of these, they're, they're all tied to questions like this and they, they start when they're young, Kate, and they start when, when we're seniors in high school and we're graduating and people all, so, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And all of a sudden, it's not a kindergarten question anymore. All of a sudden, I've, I've got I've to do something with this now. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, I, uh, I don't want to make the wrong decision here and not do the purpose that I'm supposed to do for my life, right? It's a job, it's the career, it's, it's the big decisions and big purchases, right? It's the guy or the gal. Some of us, we've already made that decision, right? And some, some are still looking around and they're like, well, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. It's the, it's the house and the land, it's the trip, the vacation, it's the health and the retirement, right? And, and we, we continue to present those things to the Lord as, as life happens and we bump into them and, and then, you know, we, we get people that pose those different little questions to us about, well, so what do you think here? And you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I'm just trying to figure out the purpose for my life. Out in the foyer, there's a couple of signs, and those signs have been there for years, and honestly, at this point, uh, they need to be either be, uh, we, we either need to take them out of there, or we need to do something different with them, uh, because a lot of us haven't had an opportunity uh, to sharpie on those boards, but several years ago, we uh, were in the middle of a sermon series called My Life's Purpose, and in the middle of that sermon series, uh, as family units or as individuals, we sat and we mapped out and we made our own mission statement according to God's God's word and what we're seeing in God's word uh, about my life, our individual lives, and, and they got sharpied on these boards, and it was really, it was a really powerful Sunday. 
I, I remember that Sunday as those boards were in here, and it was a very powerful thing. And, you know, I, I walked by them, and there's, like, it does my heart good to walk by them and not only see my own out there, but to, to see some uh, of other people and even to read some of people that, man, they have come and, and gone. They've been, they've been called home at this point. And to see that that's their, their you know, as they were still striving to, to live that out then. Um, and, we'll, and we'll do something different with that, but those things, those things are important, and those things are important for us all to map out. A couple questions as we continue to lean into this. Um, maybe here's the place to start. Have you ever found yourself just asking the question, what is the purpose of my life? Like, what is the purpose of my life? And, it, and it's not, it, it can be a dark question to ask, okay? But it's not always a dark question to ask. I, I think it's a very normal question to ask. As we grow and we mature and we realize a lot of things about life, we realize a lot of things about our own uh, expiration date, okay? We learn a lot of things, you know, things as we mature out of our teenage years. We, we begin to see things differently, but maybe the better question is this, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? I think that's the better question. If we're going to live life to the fullest, who's defining that fullest? Who, who, by whose fullest are we defining it? I mean, we get on the internet, we can probably look up all kinds of things. What, what does life to the fullest mean? And we're going to find a whole lot of different definitions of life to the fullest and what that means. Now, it's been defined by so many different people. So, some, the adventurer, the, the, the person that likes to hunker down and be safe, and they're going to define this fullest very differently in life. But what if we just allowed God's will to define what a full life is? God's calling us to all, all, all to different things. He's gifted us all with different gifts, and we know that, and we see that in ourselves, and sometimes we still look around, and we still try to be like other people, and sometimes it's, you know, it's like we're, we're not them. Like God has created us unique and gifted us uniquely. Living life to the fullest is living it according to God's will. That is, that is what I believe living life to the fullest is, living it according to God's will. Whatever that may be. So here's the next question. Can I know God's will for my life? Can I know, can we know, can you know God's will for your life? That's a big question. That's a big question, right? Can I know God's will for my life? I hope we can do that some justice this morning as we kind of lean into that. That's the topic. That's where we're heading it. Living it. That's the, that's the title of the sermon today. Just live in it. But here's the question. Can I know God's will for my life? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that your word comforts, directs us. God, thank you that your word provides uh, light and insight into how you want us to live, into who you are and your will for our lives, God. God, I pray here this morning that uh, if, if there's anyone here that has not yet taken a hold of a relationship, a, a personal relationship with your son Jesus, God, that maybe this morning would be that time. 
God, I just pray that your spirit uh, just, just sort us all, God. I pray uh, myself out of the way and that you work through me and that your spirit uh, work through me and present the things that you want presented today when it comes to uh, your will and living for you, God. Um, God, we, we love you and, and we, we just praise you in your son's name. Amen. Um, so the answer to the question is yes. We can know God's will for our life. That's the answer to the question. That's the answer to the question. Um, let, let's begin to look at some scripture. The first text we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians 2, 16, or 6 through 16. It's going to be on the screen. Jamie preached at the New American Standard. I preached at the NIV. So just if there's any, if there's any questions, I'm in the NIV. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking at. And I've got it right here. I've got it right here typed out. So I'm just reading it off my, reading it off my pad, okay? Um, so 1 Corinthians 2, 6-16, uh, <clears throat> we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for they had not uh, sorry. For if they had, they would have been crucif- They would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. That's a that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty uh, big text right there. Okay. There's a response in that text, and I love it when we see the responses. The the responses that we're to have in the text. Um, verse 10, these are the things God revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person... With the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of God as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul is saying a whole, whole lot there, okay? He's saying a whole, whole lot about God's will and, and God's mind and how he reveals that to his people. Uh, obviously, it's through the Spirit. But then he ends with that verse 16, and he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? My married people. Let's just talk for a moment, okay? Married, been married for several years now, love my wife. This is what I know. Over time and over some scenarios, okay, I have learned a lot of things as a husband. I have learned a whole lot of things, but what I have not been able to do is know all of her thoughts, okay? Haven't been able to figure it out. 
haven't been able to figure it out. I, one day, I, I think one way, okay, and, and I come home, and, I, and you know, I'm kind of thinking, this is where we're at, this is what's going on, and, and I realize that's not where we're at, and that's not what's going on today, okay? And I, you know, it's, it's mysterious. It's mysterious. It's a mysterious thing. That even though we, we spend this life together, we, we you know, have made a covenant to the Lord together uh, through marriage, and uh, we're, we are united, I cannot know, okay, I cannot know what's going on in that woman's mind. I can't, okay? And here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. We can't know what's going on in each other's mind. We can't. You know why? Because you're not in their mind. Travis, I can't know what's going on in your mind right now because I'm not in your mind. I'm outside of your mind. I'm outside of your mind. Now, we can spend time together and we can, you know, well, I kind of know he thinks kind of like this. I know Phil kind of thinks like this. So, you know, I might think that and be like, yeah, well, I know what you're thinking there. Phil might look at me and say, no, that's not what I'm thinking at all. That's, that's not at all what's going on, okay? And my married people, you guys know this, okay? Some of you are sitting there like, eh, you know, okay? You know. And maybe it's a thing today, okay? But you know, we're not in one another's mind. So we can't know what's going on in each other's mind. We, we just simply can't. We, can't. we can get to know one another. But to know what's going on in the will, to know what's going on in the motives, like, we can't figure that out. We can't know that. We can't. We can judge the actions of one another, okay? We can judge the language of one another, but judge the mind and to know what's really going on in the mind? Now, that's God. That's God. The second half, verse 16, it says, but we have the mind of Christ as believers, because he's speaking to the mature there, okay? He's saying, but you have the mind of Christ. Now, how would that be possible, church? How would that be possible that we have a mind of Christ? Through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, it is in our mind. It is in there. It is our helper. It reveals to us truth. It reveals to us the thoughts of God. Now, here's the thing. We're not in God's mind. God's in our mind through his Holy Spirit. And that's why he put, who has known the mind of the Lord in a way to instruct him? Like, like well, I know exactly what God's thinking. This is what I think he ought to do right now. Like, no way. No the Holy Spirit dwells in you. you don't, you're, not, you're not dwelling in God's mind. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And it's revealing to you. Can we know the mind of God? Yeah, we can. Can we know the, the will of God? Yeah, as he's in our mind, as he's revealing truth to us. As baptized believers, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit dwells in us, in our minds, revealing thoughts and knowing our thoughts, allowing us to know him. Can we know the will of God? Yeah, as believers, we can. As, as, as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. <clears throat> no one can know someone else, another man's mind. We can't. We just simply can't. That's for, for God. That's for God. Paul says, Again, in verse 16, that, that the mind and the will of God is in no need of examination. It's in no need of improvement for wrongs or for motives. Paul is saying that, 
that he, we don't instruct the Lord. He's not looking for our instruction, but he's revealed through his Holy Spirit truth to us. He's in our mind, and he's instructing us. He's instructing us. Isaiah 40, 13 is, is, where, is what Paul is referring to, and he says, who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? For who could do that? It's simply not how it works. <clears throat> so here's my, here's my question. Here's where we're going to head today. We could have had a bunch of different directions when we're talking about the will of God. When we're just talking about will in general. Man, you want to get some people fired up? Talk about will stuff a little bit, okay? I got some opinions there, and we can talk about it if you want to. Um, but this is where we're going to head today. What can get in the way of us knowing God's will for our life? What can get in the way of us knowing God's will for our life? Or maybe a different way to, to, to phrase that is how can I better know God's will for my life? E- either one, either one. So what can get in the way of me knowing God's will for my life or how could I better know God's will for my life? Um, <clears throat> why don't I know God's will for my life? Well, three things. This is what we're going to dig into today. Three, three different things I think practically we can pull out of Scripture to help us better understand God's will for our life. Uh, number one, number, number one thing that uh, clouds us from seeing God's will, okay, is practicing habitual sin. Practicing habitual sin. Uh, let me talk about that for just a little bit um, because we're, we're not perfect, okay? We're not going to be perfect or we're, we're going to fail to temptation when we do that. It's called sin. Sometimes it's thoughts. James defines it as the, the, the good that a man ought to do and he doesn't do it. That's still sin, okay? So let, let's just be clear about that. But what I'm talking about is I'm talking about practicing habitual sin. That's what I'm talking about. Um, continually living in a sin, in a sin habit, without any real repentance will leave us in a fog too thick to clearly see what God's will is for our lives, okay? Now, can you think through how that might work? I mean, Scripture's very clear about alcohol. It is very clear about alcohol, but if I would choose to take a hold of, of something like that that would maybe put me in a fog day after day, night after night, or any other substance abuse, I'm not, not going to pick on alcohol, anything that would leave us in a fog over and over and over and over, do you see how that like I'm, I'm choosing to have this habit sin in my life and by nature it is, it is clouding my view of God's further will for my life. But, but it's not just that. It's not just that. It's for the young person who's sleeping with their, with their significant other, okay? And at the same time praying, God, just help me see if this is the person you want me to spend the rest of my life with. And God's word clearly has already given instruction there for that scenario so that his will can be seen clearly in that scenario. But there's habitual sin taking place. And it's just being practiced day after day, week after week. And it's clouding the will. It's clouding God's will. What Greed? Greed? Oh, yeah. Our, our greed will get right in the way of God's will. When he's asked us to love and serve others, I, I love the way that Jamie concluded last week's service, our sermon. 
talking about racism and, and loving others. But I, I, I would add to that as we push into this week and we push into God's will, if, if we're, if we're um, loving God and loving others, we're serving and worshiping the Lord and we're serving others. That's our lifestyle. We're not, we're not living in greed. That's not, for the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. That's what Jesus said, and that's how he lived his life. Harboring hate? Harboring hate against our neighbor? Okay, so our neighbor, let's, is anyone with a zip code on earth, okay? Let's just be real. Let's just be real. I live on 1675 Road, and it's not just the other people that live on 1675 Road. But if I'm harboring hate inside of me, it's getting in the way. It's getting in the way. And I'm practicing that habitual sin of continuing to hate that person, those people. The Holy Spirit reveals God's will to those who are obedient to God. Remember what verse 9 says, however, it's written, "What what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things of the Lord has prepared for those who love him. The Holy Spirit reveals God's will to those who obey him. First uh, John 3, 8 through 10 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Now I'm going to read, because I like the wording in the ESV, I don't usually read the ESV a lot, but I like the wording of the ESV there, and it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's, uh, because uh, God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Here's the thing. If you have a routine of sin, if you have a routine of sinful living going on in your life, this is a simple truth. You're not trying to perceive God's will for your life. You're you're simply not. If we're living with a habitual sin, that we're just laying down to day after day, time after time. We're not repenting of it. We're not, we're not dealing with it. We're not asking for help. We're not confessing it, okay, to, to wise counsel. It's not being prayed over. Then, then we're simply not trying to pursue God's will for our life. And that's tough, and we've got to square up with that. But if we're, trying to, if we're trying to shed light and see, man, what is God's will for my life? Could I know it more? Yeah. Yeah. Be obedient to Scripture. Be obedient to Scripture. Unrepentant habitual sin causes cloudiness of God's will for our lives. Number two, not utilizing everything God has given us. Not utilizing everything God has given us. Knowing the basics of God's word allows us to ask honestly whether our lives are in alignment with God's promises. Okay? Okay. Uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
I'm just going to work through a couple different pieces of text here, and then we'll kind of chain them together. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of, of the, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let us not, uh, he, uh, Hebrews 10, 25, uh, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to read one more verse. Proverbs eleven fourteen. for lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many adversaries. By not utilizing what God has given us. We can become dull or clouded of what God's will is for our life, God's purpose for our life. Now we know that God has given us the word, right? He's given us the word, and we, we live in America, and so there's more of these on our shelves than we'll ever really open and spend time in. And that's just the truth. But, but he's given us his word, and I, I mean, it's 2021. You can listen to it in pretty much any language with any kind of beat or music or whatever you want behind it. Like it, it has become, it's so at our fingertips, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. That, that the question is, are we, are we really even spending time in it? But are, are we yielding to the Spirit? But here's the other thing that I think sometimes, sometimes, maybe we're, maybe we're trying to pursue those things, but you know who we're ignoring? So here's the deal. The early church uh, in Acts didn't study in isolation, right? They didn't go lock themselves in their tents by themselves and just study. What did they do daily? They met together daily and praised and studied the word. The early church in Acts didn't study in isolation or walk around proud and judgmental. They met daily and studied and sought the Lord together. Now, this is going to be a little sensitive, okay? But here's a question. Is there such thing as biblical television? Because God has also given us one another. And if his spirit is working in me as a baptized believer, and Gene, you're a baptized believer, his spirit is also working in you. And there's something significant that happens. And God has instituted families and fathers and wise counsel in our, in our parents, young people that are in the room. He's put elders in our churches, okay? I don't care what those elders said. I'm just doing what the Bible says, you know? It's like, well, maybe that there should just be some conversations, you know? Maybe you should just sit down and look at God's word together. I know this is, I know this could be getting a little sensitive out here, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, depleting an emphasis on God's word or spending time in God's word. I'm just saying sometimes we think we know something and we think we're right about something and the fellowship of the early believers, they met together and they studied together and they didn't show up proud because they knew something. They showed up and they, they studied and praised and sought the Lord together. They repented together. They shared their sins and burdens with one another. I 
I know it's been a busy year. Because everything got slowed down. And now everything's getting pretty busy, I feel like. I don't know if anybody else feels like things are getting pretty busy. But there's some things that we need to prioritize. And getting together with people and spending time in the Word and spending time talking about the Lord face to face. I know it can be scary, right? Face to face and praying together and working through life struggles together. Like God has gifted us with one another. It's called the church. (laughs) And we need to use it so that we can further see God's will in our life. We need to use all the tools. Not just some of the tools, all the tools. If we become busy, man, as we move into this next season, let's prioritize some things. Let's prioritize some things before, before we get in, in a rush of everything that's out of control again. Let's prioritize fellowship and worship, okay? Let's prioritize that. Maybe it's outside of this time right here. I mean, why can't we, why can't we worship around the fire pit in our backyards? Why can't we worship in our homes? Study. Study together. Like setting aside different times where it's a priority for me to get together. Guys, I need to get together with you guys and spend time in the Word together. And so do you. You need it. You need it. And it's a sacrifice. But am I striving to know the the will of the Lord or not? Is that what I'm wanting? Prayer. Um... All right, number uh, number three, number three. Well, this is uh, this is an eye-opening one here. Okay, this this is probably the most eye-opening one of, of all of them, and that's this: not applying what we what we already know. Not applying what we already know. Um, what good would any product do to us to to know about it, to study it, to research it, to talk about it, uh, to even own it if we never used it? Not very much. Okay, not very much. It wouldn't do much good for us. We know about it, we can research it, we can talk about it, we can even own it. Okay, it sits on a shelf at our house. But I'm not using it, okay? I never applied the ointment, so I'm not getting any better over here. But I own it, I got one, I can tell you about it. Can preaching callous our ears in a way? I know, we're headed somewhere, okay? Can preaching callous our ears in a way that it clouds us to not know God's will. And I know at first you're like, well, I, what are we talking about right now? Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, Isaiah's called by the Lord to preach. He's, he's preaching to the tribe of Judah, and they, they, they weren't being obedient. That they were just simply not being obedient to the message of the Lord. And this is what the text says. It says, this is God, he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Verse 10, this is, this is tough. This is really, really tough, okay? 
make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now that's difficult. That's tough. And they were living in the Old Covenant and there was, God was punishing them. By Isaiah preaching in a way, ordained by God, that, that they further closed their eyes and closed their ears to the truth. And that's complicated. But don't think that when we hear, we, we have so much at our fingertips, so much in our pockets, so much on our phones, and we can, we can just pull this, this information to us all the time, but if we don't apply it, guess what? And we just continue to reach for the information without the application, God's will is going to become clouded in our lives. What good is the preaching if we don't apply it? What good would it be? To know something? So who cares if you know something? You ever seen a kid with a lot of toys? You know what I'm talking about? Like you went to their house and you're like, the kid's got a lot of toys. Like they got everything over there. They got so many toys. Like that place is, that kid's not taking care of anything. Like he's just throwing his toys around. He's not taking care of anything. You know, so much truth. He knows so much truth, but he's simply just not applying any of it. And if that's you, and that's in the way of, understand that that's a thing that can get in our way of, of knowing God's will for our life by not applying what we do know, okay? We gotta be obedient to the small things. Just obedient to the small things and continue to apply them to our lives so that, so that God will reveal more of his will and more of his purpose for our life to us. Apply what you know to know what you don't. Apply what you know to know what you don't. I'm going to move very quickly here as we wrap up. So what is God's will? Paul, in Acts 17, probably the most famous sermon that Paul ever preached, um, Aragapius is where he was invited to. He had been, he had been, he moved into the, to the Bereans and he'd been preaching to the Bereans. He'd been preaching to the Athens. They were hearing different things. They were kind of mocking him. But you know, Paul, Paul was living for the, to the, for the will of the Lord every day, every day, day by day. He didn't, it wasn't like, man, in 10 years, I just hope to be like, he, no, he didn't even care about that, okay? It was, I'm going to do God's will today. And people were like, are you going to leave us? And he's like, I got to leave. I got to do the will of the Lord. And they're like, are you coming back? And he goes, if the, war, if the Lord wills it, if the Lord wills it, remember what he said about, uh, about learning, uh, learning to be, to be okay, learning to be content in all, in, in all scenarios, it's because he was day by day living for the Lord of the will. So he's living for the Lord of the will. He's preaching. He's planting churches. He's moving throughout the land. People are chasing him. On the back, on the, right before this story, some people didn't like his message. The text literally says they went to the marketplace and gathered up a bunch of heathens, okay? Gathered up a bunch of heathens to jack Paul. That's what just happened. Now he's, pre he's preaching to the Athens, and they, they've invited him up to this rock, up to this famous big rock, that is still there, that can still be seen, where they invited philosophers and, and different people to come up on and share their ideas. And so they invited Paul up onto this rock. So this is where he's given this message. And he says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. 
For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are arrogant, ignorant, I mean, uh, of the very thing you worship. And this is what I must, uh, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. So here's a sermon. The God, and this is so cool because he, he shows them God's will right in the middle of the sermon. This is probably the most famous sermon that Paul ever preached. He said, the God who made the world and everything uh, in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands and he is not served by human hands and if he, uh, as, as if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else for from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have, been, and have our being. And as some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring, therefore we are God's offspring. We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this and everything by raising him from the dead. Paul Paul was preaching to the Athenians about the will of God, and it was so simple. Like if you ever get caught up and you're like, what's the will of God? It's that we would seek him, that we would reach out for him, that we would find him, and that we would repent. Those are not one time, like we continue to do those things. We continue to seek the Lord. We continue to seek the will of the Lord. We continue to take hold of that. We continue to find more and more and more out as, as he reveals more to us and we continue to live in repentance. We can know the will of, of, of the Lord. 